Hi, and welcome to C. Myers Live. My name is Sally Myers. I'm a principal at C. Myers Corporation. And I'm Charlene Leland. I'm a vice president at C. Myers. And today we're going to talk about building and cultivating a strong leadership team. And the reason we're going to do that is we're hearing from so many CEOs about how the outside world is changing much, much faster than their team is able to change themselves. And the CEOs are coming to the conclusion that this has got to change and it needs to change pretty quickly. Yeah. So what's what's interesting is that many CEOs will tell us also that I have some great, strong players on my team. Uh, you know, these are people with lots of experience and just great individual contributors. But that's different than having a bunch of great individual contributors actually functioning as a team and all going in the same direction. Mm-hmm. So the, the way to really make a difference with your team and how it uh, moves the business forward is to have a really strong aligned leadership team with the emphasis on they're a team. Right, right. And so today we'll give a, just a few points of what we have seen that really works, how you can move into action to continue to cultivate these strong individual contributors into a very high functioning team. And one thing that is very helpful is making sure that you articulate your desired team brand, just like you would take control over your company brand or your personal brand. What's the desired team brand? And articulating that so that you can come back as a team and see how you're showing up. Another big piece is communication. And we could go on and on about different ways to help communication. We're only going to scratch the surface on this. Yeah. And and before we get into some of the specifics, the thing about communication that, um, you know, we see lots of different reasons that it doesn't always work as well as it could. And one of them is that sometimes people don't want to step on each other's toes or they're too polite or they just think they feel like they should stay in their own lane and not get too much into the other leader's business. And we would never say you should step on each other's toes or anything like that. But the funny thing is that without open communication, where people are truly understanding each other and learning from each other, without that and with the fear of stepping on toes, that often results in actually stepping on toes because you find that uh, people are left out of the loop and they're, you know, they're doing an end run a- around someone or they're going ahead with something thinking everyone is a- in agreement and they're actually not. So the avoidance of the discomfort of open communication is often the cause of the um, bad feelings or or actually stepping on the toes. Yeah. And, and I add to that, in a number of cases, people are well-intended. And Absolutely. not communicating because they look at their their other members of the leadership team and they view them to be too busy to bother. So they mm-hmm. move into action to get something done, thinking they're doing a good thing, and then it gets misinterpreted. So that's where that communication comes in and agreeing on who needs to be in involved in what decisions versus being kept in the loop. And the other thing I want to go back to is staying in the lane. And You know, back in the day when things were a lot less complex and not as interconnected, 
that might have served an organization really well. But today, things are so complex. If you step back and really think about what doesn't touch other areas, very few things. Again, everything is, seems to be intertwined, interdependent. And so one of the things we like to say is there's one lane or there's one team. As a leadership team, the responsibility, the obligation is to drive the organization forward. So making sure to view the responsibility as, as leadership team is, like you already said, not the silos, but as one team, one organization, one purpose. And, and, oh, oh, go ahead. Uh, no, go ahead. <laughs> so I was just going to say that so that not being in your lane, the real advantage that this brings is that so you've got another person on the team who their expertise is in a different area and they're they're going full force with their their project, whatever they're up to. And so people feel kind of like, well, I don't need to ask these questions or I'm going to hold everybody back if I ask these questions. It brings so much advantage to come come at it from a different angle. So someone with new eyes who doesn't understand the project in all that detail can bring so many great questions to the table and help in the, the entire team's understanding. And guess what? If you're asking it on the senior team, somebody else is going to be wondering along the, the way, too. So it's it's actually a huge advantage to have people who are not steeped in it and not experts come in and ask those questions, just just curious questions. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And what I like to tell people and people say, well, I don't know anything about marketing or I don't know anything about technology. That's not the point. Everybody on the senior leadership team is an expert at being a consumer. And so I want to really punctuate what you're saying is that if you bring it from the consumer's perspective and you ask those curiosity questions and you challenge and people say this all the time, we need to challenge the way we've done things in the past. And and people do challenge the way we've done things in the past. But are you really willing to make the changes? You know, so not just challenge, but what are you really willing to change uh, going forward? And then adding into what are your hidden assumptions and going through an exercise for each individual on the senior leadership team to just start thinking about what their hidden assumptions are. One of the hidden assumptions is what you just said. I don't bring value because I don't know anything about marketing or I don't know anything about technology. Well, you do bring value. And what are some other examples of hidden assumptions and how would you guide a team going through that, Charlene? Well, some examples are, um, I don't need to involve other people in this decision because they, they don't need to know about it when maybe they want to know about it, or, or maybe they actually even need to know about it. So rather than asking the question, just making an assumption, that would be an example. But just just sitting and thinking through, what are, what are the assumptions we make every day or you know, on a regular basis and just becoming aware. So a lot of this is awareness. Just become aware of, the, of what you're, you're skipping over when maybe it would be better for communication if, if you actually ask some of those questions or unearth some, some of those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Another example is when somebody asks somebody to do something and the person doesn't say, doesn't answer, doesn't say, no, I'm not going to. Therefore, 
people assume, well, I asked, you didn't say you weren't going to, so I'm, I'm expecting you to do it. Versus, no, let's close that communication loop because as we close the communication loop, it can build trust along the way. Uh, instead of having expectations, you walk away and you have different expectations of what's supposed to happen. Yeah, that's a really good example. One of the things that I think is really important for good communication is, I mean, we were just talking about becoming aware of some of the, maybe the, some of the communication habits that you have as a team and as, as individuals, and then giving permission to do those things, to ask those questions, not reacting as though someone is stepping on your toes if they if they do ask some questions. So it's about being open and then giving people not only permission to ask the questions, but permission to take an opposite side if if in order to get the thinking going, in order to open up the thinking. So this is an exercise that we do with a lot of places, and that's you know, okay, we're all we all seem to be thinking right along the same lines. Let's you, you, you person, you know, assign someone to take the opposite position and just see what happens. Have them debate it just as though you were on a debate team. Well, and, and so why does that happen at the senior level? Why would you need to give somebody permission at the senior level to have a different point of view and to ask questions? And there's a couple of reasons we see because we do tons of senior leadership development and and it could be that the view of being a high functioning team is we all agree. Yeah, that's never going to happen. You're never going to all agree. And it's OK. It's OK that you don't agree. And, and you shouldn't be able to have conversations about why you don't agree. In the end, after you've had all of that discussion, different points of view, the diverse thought, which everybody says they embrace, but then but then the reality is, is it's 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 hard to get the opinions out in some cases. Then you all come together and you speak as one voice and you articulate what it is together. This is what we're trying to accomplish, you know, not necessarily task oriented, but this is what we're trying to accomplish. So that's that's one reason, you know, again, a high functioning team. Oh, we all have to agree. No, you need to eventually speak with a unified voice after you've had all the thought. The other thing, too, is as new CEOs go into um, credit unions, they've the culture in the past was I wasn't allowed to speak what I thought, but I have a lot of really good thoughts. And so that's where it can be important to say, no, I I require that you come with a diverse thought or, you know, my mind's 85 percent made up. Tell me why I should go a different direction. Please help me. And that's where that permission um, comes in to have the the it's not about conflict you know no, again, not, sometimes, not at all yeah and sometimes people view a difference of opinion as conflict no it's about really thinking about what's best for the organization so that's a big one yeah and I and I one just last little point on that I think the permission makes it when everyone in the room understands we want i'm asking you to even if you don't agree with the other side just come up with some other arguments i think it makes it so much more um th then it's, it's all taken in the right the right frame of mind mm -hmm. absolutely and it's expected 
Right. Uh, it's expected for you to contribute thought as you're sitting around the strategic table. And then another point is, as a team, carving out time to think strategically and critically. And we don't have time to go into a lot of ways to carve out time, but one way to carve out time is if you as a senior leader, if your direct reports are coming to you on a regular basis and saying, what should I do? There are ways to stop that because now you're as a senior leader, your mind is 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 clogged with I got to solve their issues. So make them part of the solution. A way to do that is start to train them. Don't come to me and ask me what we should do or what 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 you think I should do. It's more along the lines. You come to me with three, you know, ideally three ways of addressing an opportunity or a problem in, in diverse ways, not iterations. And then what's your recommendation? Because then as a senior leader, you can start to understand how they're thinking and help them think, which then helps you to let go. Well, if every leader is doing this, they'll have more capacity then to, to be a team and have take time as a team to go through structured strategic thinking and critical thinking exercises. And right. part of that benefit is when you go through those exercises, a measure of success is to not make any decisions and not walk out with a bunch of tasks, but have the freedom to really put yourself out into the future and think and imagine what could be so that you can stay ahead and, and maybe move at a faster pace where you're not constantly feeling like you're overwhelmed and the outside world is moving faster than you are as a team because you're thinking strategically as a team. Yeah. And you're practicing that thinking. And the only way to get good at any of these things we've talked about, the strategic thinking, the uh, being curious with open-ended questions, going for clarity, understanding your hidden assumptions is to practice it. Mm -hmm. And so what that boils down to is that taking your team and getting them to that aligned, high-functioning place you want them to be, it's one of your most important projects as an organization. And, you know, we know we, everyone has a long project list and they're all working toward lots of things that, that they're doing, but don't forget this one. This is one of your most critical projects. Absolutely. And it's a, there is a war on talent. There's a lot of change as far as retirements are going and people are grabbing talent from different parts of the country in the distributed workforce. Who knows how that's going to play out, but that's having an impact as well. And so I agree. It's, it is one of the most important projects you have, if not the most important project. So we want to thank you. Um, rapid fire things to consider. We have so many other thoughts we'd love to share, but we know your time is limited. So we hope you find value in this short C Myers live. And if you have any questions, please feel free to contact us. We'd be happy to get on the phone and chat with you. Thanks so much. Thanks.